It's that time, the Betting Predators Podcast, where our main objective is hunting down the best bets for you. I'm your host, Sleepy J. You guys can find me on Twitter at SleepyJ underscore pregame. Joined here by the UFC expert, we got Mean Gene in the house. You guys can find him at Mean Gene 0022. And you can find us both on the best sports betting information site on the web, pregame.com. All right, Gene, here we go. You and I haven't had a chance to go ahead and talk any UFC over the last couple of weeks. I guess you could say maybe a month or two, Gene. Uh, because we've had the NFL roll around, and now we have a big event. And we got UFC 266, we got Volkanovski and Ortega. This one will go ahead and take place Saturday night pay-per-view, September 25th at the T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas. What Gene and I are going to do, we're going to go ahead, we're going to break down the five fights on the main card. Uh, some pretty good fights, Gene. We have the return of Nick Diaz. Uh, we also have Shevchenko, we have Volkanovski, Robbie Lawler will be back in there. We got a heavyweight fight between Blades and Rosenstruck, and then we got uh, the first fight on the cards going to be Jessica Andrade and Cynthia Calvillo. I want to go ahead and start with that fight there, Gene, with Jessica Andrade and Cynthia Calvillo. Uh, right now, the odds on this fight they have Andrade right around a minus two forty favorite. I'll tell you right now, Gene, I like her in this fight. I don't believe that Calvillo could go ahead and beat her. I think Andrade is just too strong on the feet. She packs too much power in her fists. And I believe she's eventually going to probably end up winning this one by strikes. I'm not going to say that she'll knock her out, but I think there's a chance that maybe it could get stopped. But I could see Andrade just going ahead and you know running through three rounds of Cynthia Calvillo and making it look like an easy night to go ahead and start out the main card. So quick, easy handicap for me there, Jessica Andrade. That's my pick. Probably throw her in a parlay. I don't see her losing, Gene. How are you feeling about that fight? Yeah, she is definitely a parlay piece here. I, I, I'm right with you here. I, I really like this matchup for the for the flyweight division, you have the number number three fighter versus number five. And in particular, I like it for Jessica Andrade. I feel like the UFC is giving her a gimme fight here. Calvillo is coming off a loss. Andrade is coming off a loss. But Calvillo's loss was head-scratching. She fought Caitlin Chikagan. She moved down to flyweight from strawweight. And Chikagan's a gatekeeper, and she should have beat her. And she didn't. She just did not look good, and I, I was blown away by that. Whereas Andrade moved down to straw weight and she fought Chikagan a couple fights ago and finished her in the first round. You, you have a common opponent there and you have two drastically different results. For me in this fight, I just feel like Andrade is a stronger fighter, a better wrestler, better striker, way more power on the feet, faster, more explosive. Calvillo, yes, she likes to wrestle and that's probably her, her main path to victory, but like I said, Andrade is powerful. She'll be able to get up if she is taken down. And I really feel like this is a mismatch. And I feel like, again, the UFC is giving Andrade an easy, quote-unquote easy win, a ranked opponent so that she can stay relevant in that thin straw weight division. So the pick is Andrade. I feel like she's a good parlay piece. And I also feel like she's a good straight play as well. I personally already bet her. And I might even throw some more money on Andrade. I'm really really feeling like she's going to dominate this fight against Calvillo. I think one of the main reasons why I want to back her, Gene, is I think there is a level of experience that she's faced that Calvillo hasn't. I mean, she went up against Rose twice, Wheelie, Shevchenko. You know, you already mentioned Chu Kagan. Like, she has a lot of really, really good high-level fighters on her resume. Now, look, you know, she didn't beat them all. You know, she lost against Shevchenko and Rose, you know, but she beat Rose. Uh, she, you know, lost against uh, Zhang Wheelie, but... Oh, beat Chu Kagan. So I just feel like there's a lot of experience there. And I feel like they're rewarding her maybe with this particular fight because 
I get, I, let's just say Jean, you know, Andrade has been through hell, you know, over the last like two, three years with the people that she's fought. And look, she, you know, she's trying to get to fight these type of fights. And I think she's probably on her way probably to, you know, another big name fight, but she's got to get through this one first. So I think that she can kind of see the light at the end of the tunnel. And she's just, in my opinion, the far better fighter. So uh, I'm going to go ahead. I'm with you there, Gene. I'm going to use Andrade probably in a parlay piece. Uh, more than likely, that's probably what I'm going to end up doing there. Let's jump over to a heavyweight bout here, Gene. Uh, I don't know if you saw the news today, but John Jones got arrested. So I don't know how long it might be before we see him, Gene. But we got Curtis Blades. We got Rosenstruck. This is going to be a pretty good fight here, Gene. Uh, the line was a little bit a little bit mysterious to me there, Gene. You have Blades right now, minus 340. Rosenstruck, plus 270. I'm going to throw it to you first. Let me hear your handicap. My gut feeling says that the line is wrong. I'll just say it like that. I think the line's wrong. Curtis Blades, Rosenstruck, how you feeling? Yeah, th- this is a tough fight for me to call. The line would suggest it should be an easy fight to call. You know, and stylistically, it should be an easy fight to call. This is your prototypical stylistic matchup where you have Blades as the wrestler and Rosenstruck as the striker. But for Blades, it's it's his history that I'm worried about. Um, you know, stylistically, yeah, this should be an easy win for him. He he's he's easily the most dominant wrestler in the heavyweight division. He's arguably top ten, probably even top five in, in all the UFC wrestling wise. If he gets you to the ground, he's like a wet blanket. He's gonna keep he's gonna keep you down, he's gonna control you on the mat. He's got pretty decent strike on the feet too, decent power. And his opponent, Rosenstrike, can be taken down and has been controlled in the past. But the problem is Rosenstrike has legit one punch knockout power. And that has seemed to give that has seemed to give in Blades trouble in the past. And in particular, his last fight. You know, he fought a similar fighter in Derek Lewis, a fighter that is gonna look to knock you out, isn't the best at his takedown defense or on the ground, but for whatever reason, Blades I don't know what it is with Blades in a lot of these fights. I'm starting to think that he gets overly confident and he feels like he can do whatever he wants in there in the sense of grappling and wrestling. You saw it against Volkov where he was dominating that fight and then at the end he started getting sloppy. His cardio was an issue. He was lazy on his takedowns and Volkov started lighting them up and he almost lost that fight where it should have been a dominant victory, you know, five, five rounds to none. You saw in his last fight against Lewis, he was dominating Lewis, and then he gets lazy, cocky, whatever you want to call it, and he dives in for a takedown and gets knocked out with a, a vicious uppercut. And so in this fight, you're not going to want to do that against Rosenstrike. You know, Rosenstrike is a legit fighter, comes from a kickboxing background. He's got vicious kicks, good knees, and he's got one-punch knockout power, uh, especially in his, his check left hook. If you're going to be lazy... If you're going to be cocky and you feel like you're going to dominate this guy in the wrestling realm, he's going to catch you with something. We saw that in Rosenstrike's last fight against Sakai, where Sakai was the favorite, and Rosenstrike came out, refocused himself after losing to Gon. He said he needed to be more active. That's kind of been his issue, where he's he's been a little tentative and wants to be a counter striker. And he was like, I need to be more aggressive. You saw the results. He he knocked out Sakai in the first round and. If he continues on that trajectory, I feel like he has a good chance in this fight. And back to what you originally set up here, the line is off. I don't feel like Blades 
is a minus 350, what, you know, 335, whatever it is, favor here. I think this should be more down in the 200s, 225, something like that, maybe 250. But at 335, I, I just, I feel like it's too wide. And, and listen, stylistically, you have to go Blades here because Blades is just so dominant wrestling. But I, I just got this this feeling that Rosenstrike is going to end up knocking out Blades here. And so personally, I'm taking Rosenstrike. I know I'm playing with fire here, but I feel like it, it's worth it, especially at plus 240, 250, 260, whatever it's at now. Um, I feel like it's good value. So um, I'm going with Rosenstrike here. You said a lot of good things there, Gene. Let me bring up the first thing that you mentioned that kind of turned a light bulb on in my head, and it was the word refocus. And you were talking about Rosenstrike, but I think Blades probably had a chance to kind of refocus. You know, when you talked about him being sloppy and that he takes, you know, unnecessary risks and he does things that he probably shouldn't be doing, that he just gets way too confident. And we saw that against Lewis where you and I both agree Blades was winning that fight. He doesn't get caught and, and go for some out of left field takedown and get, you know, and get knuckled. He probably wins that fight. But look, I think Derek Lewis, you know, one of those type of shots. And look, Blades was out cold. I mean, he got knocked out bad. That's a reminder to him that you can't be sloppy. And maybe he maybe he refocuses a little bit more. Rosenstrike worries me because he is going to be probably the smaller guy in this fight by a little bit. I don't think he moves as well as Blades. You know, we talked about you know, how well Cyril Gon moves, you know, for this weight class. And it was like, dude, like, you know, you always talk about like he moves like a featherweight, you know, a middleweight, like that dude can move. I feel the same way about Blades that he can move too. But as you mentioned, you know, Rosenstrike has that one punch power. And for me, I just think the line's wrong. I'm with you. I think it should probably be somewhere down around, you know, maybe like minus 150, you know, 200 areas, somewhere in there. 340 just seems absolutely crazy for two guys that we've watched look very pedestrian and Rosenstrike and for somebody like Blades to just make blatant mistakes and go in there and get knocked out. So I think it comes down to who is refocused, who got their game back together and who comes in here with the better game plan. I think you're right on paper. You have to take Blades because he's going to be the better fighter. But I think if you're looking for value in this fight, the value has to be with Rosenstruck. So I'm talking through it there, Gene. I'll probably end up making like a fight night kind of play Right now, I'm going to pass this one. My gut feeling says Blades wins this one, but my gut feeling also says that this line's wrong. And as a professional better, you want to take as much value, you know, when you can go ahead and get it. And I feel like, you know, I could be getting a dollar, dollar fifty in value, you know, if I do go ahead and, in fact, play Rosenstruck, who you and I both agree, you know, the dude's live. You know, he, he's been in big fights. He's knocked guys out. And we've watched Blades, you know, get taken out by Lewis. So that's going to be a good fight. Next fight. On the card's going to be Nick Diaz, Robbie Lawler. We're saving that fight. We're going to go ahead and we're going to jump up to the co-main first. We're going to talk Valentina Shevchenko and we're going to talk Lauren Murphy first because, Gene, I don't think this is a fight. This is going to be a whitewash. Shevchenko is on a completely different level, and I'll go as far as saying this. We know that Nunes is in a class of her own. She's on top of the mountain. There's nobody up there with her. She's all by herself. I also think Shevchenko is at the top of the mountain too, and she's all by herself as well. I don't believe there's a tier of fighters that fit in there with her. She's just that dominant. So I'm going to go ahead and throw it to you. The line's absolutely insane. It's minus 1,500. If you like Lauren Murphy, she's plus 850. I don't know how you get to Murphy. 
The only way I think she wins this fight, Gene, is if you end up with bad luck, like, you know, like the Conor McGregor broke his leg or, you know, something bad happens at an eye poke that, that you know, the, the doctors have to stop it. That's Murphy's path to win for me. Otherwise, she's probably going to get killed in this fight. Not literally, but she's probably going to get crushed uh, in this particular fight. But I'll go. I'll throw it over to you first. I feel like this will probably be one of the easiest handicaps. Shevchenko, Murphy, what are you seeing going on in that one? Yeah, it, it's rinse and repeat when it comes to my breakdowns of Shevchenko fights. One word continues to come up, and that word is dominant. You know, she is one of the most dominant champions in UFC history, male or female. And this fight is no different. Yes, Lauren Murphy is super tough and is honestly not afraid of Shevchenko, unlike some of her other challengers, where I feel like they, they're defeated before they even enter into the into the cage. But skill for skill, it's just not a contest. And I think Murphy's toughness is actually going to be her downfall here. I believe it will allow Shevchenko to, to put on an absolute striking clinic and batter her for however long it lasts. You know, it's a five-round fight. I don't think it's going to go five rounds personally, but go back and watch, and we're going to talk about this fight here later on, Ortega. Go back and watch the Max Holloway versus Brian Ortega championship fight from a couple years back, and I think that's what we have here. I feel like it's it's going to be a clinic. I feel like she's going to whoop up on, on, on Lauren Murphy here, and, you know, at minus... 1400 1500 1600 whatever you said it was that line is just it's absolutely ridiculous you, you know I, I don't care how dominant a champion is you can't lay that you can't lay lay that price um so i'm gonna try to attack this a little bit differently um and i feel like a better entry point is just by finish if you can find that line i'm seeing on DraftKings minus 225 so that's for shevchenko to finish it's a tko ko or knockout I feel like that's a better entry point at minus 225. Can it go the distance? Of course, yes. You know, women's fights in general, the trend is they do go to go to a decision. You have Lauren Murphy, who's tough too. So I, I don't fault anyone for saying, hey, this is going to go to a decision. But I feel like, like I had already broken down. I'm repeating myself. I feel like Murphy's toughness is going to be her downfall because she's just going to stand in there She's going to keep pushing forward, feeling like, hey, I'm just going to grit, you know, bite bite down on my mouthpiece, keep moving forward, and, and, and try to beat Shevchenko. And Shevchenko is just – she's faster, more skilled. She's going to pick her apart, and she's going to get the finish. Yeah, I can't disagree with you there, Gene. I, the, the only wager I was really thinking about was, you know, rifling Shevchenko into, a, you know, a parlay somewhere just to reduce some juice or going ahead and playing this one not to go to the finish. Lauren Murphy's tough. But she's gonna wear, you know, she's gonna wear a lot of those punches, a lot of those kicks. Shevchenko's gonna throw elbows at her. She's gonna try to submit her. She's gonna try to get her out of there. That's for sure. Uh, why? Why would Shevchenko want to go five rounds with somebody that she doesn't need to go five rounds for? I just feel like Murphy's just gonna be standing in front of her, Gene, and it's going to be like a clinic, you know. And that's just the way that I feel. I don't think it's gonna go the distance. I believe that, that more than likely this one gets stopped, and it's like you know what. You earned your stripes. You, you know, she, and look, let's give credit where credit's due. Murphy's won, you know, a lot of fights in a row. You know, she's worked her rear end off to get here. She's been on some of the big cards. You know, she was on, you know, UFC 254 with Khabib and Gaethje. She was on UFC 263 with Adesanya and Vittori. You know, she's been on big cards. So she's a well-known fighter. She's put her name up there as, you know, one of the better women fighters out there. But she's earned this. And 
I'm not sure she's going to be happy, you know, after the end of this fight. I don't think she's going to wear, you know, this damage really good. And I, I actually think they probably stop it just because Shevchenko's arsenal is just packed with anything and everything that, that you don't want to see when you're in the ring against somebody. So, yeah, I don't, I, I could never get the Murphy gene. I think the only way, like I said, when we opened up is it has to be some type of bad luck where Shevchenko, you know, can't continue for some, you know, un, unknown reason, but I don't think it goes a distance. So I'll play that at minus 250. I feel that that's probably the best way to go. Let's jump into that Nick Diaz fight, Gene, because you and I, we talked a little bit before, and I said, Gene, let's talk about this before we jump on the podcast, because you had mentioned, like, look, if you think you know how this fight's going to go, then you're probably fooling yourself. Now, right now, the line on this one, Robbie Lawler's favorite at minus 160. Now, these guys fought, you know, many, many, many years ago, and Nick Diaz came out as the victory in that one. Minus 160 for Robbie Lawler. I don't know if I agree with that, Gene. I think this is more of maybe a pick 'em type fight. I do have a pick in this one, but I'm curious. You know, are you excited for Nick Diaz to just, you know, be back in the UFC and, and going ahead and entertaining us, you know, kind of uh, very similar to the way that his brother does? Yes, mo- most definitely. I mean, full disclosure, I'm a major Nick Diaz fan. Outside of John Jones, he's my personal favorite fighter. I fell in love with his attitude and his fight style from the beginning. And I've I've been a, a fan ever since. You know, his days in strike force, putting on spectacular performances, winning the welterweight belt in strike force, and then, you know, coming back over to the UFC. He was in the UFC, then went to strike force, then came back to UFC later on. And even those performances as well. I mean, the guy's a character. Um, say what you want about him. The guy's gonna he's gonna fight for your money and he's gonna put on a show and 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 that is that's just the Diaz brand in general, the Diaz army, you know, it, it, it's, that's their style. And you see it with his brother. It doesn't matter. You know, his brother's like barely above 500, but he continues to put on big, big, big fights and, and, and bring the fans in and, and make a ton of money. And, and I feel like his brother, especially where the UFC is right now, he has, he has a prime opportunity to cash in on, on his name and his fight style. He was ahead of his time. I feel like if he was fighting in the UFC for the past few years, he would have made a ton of money. Ironically, that's what he, at least from what he said over the course of this week, you know, that's why he's back. He he wants to make money. He wants to get back to the grind of fighting. He's, he's a fighter. He tried to do some things outside of the cage business wise that didn't work out. So now he's back and um, you know, win over Robbie Lawler goes a long way to making some big money. Cause I'll tell you what, if, if he beats Robbie Lawler here, I mean, he he's truly going to be in line, I feel like, for like a Jorge Masvidal fight. You know, you can sell that as, hey, big brother's coming back to avenge little brother's loss, you know. So jump into the breakdown, uh, and you already touched on this as well with, with, with his hiatus. It has been six years since we've seen him fight, and it's been 10 years since we've seen his last win, and it's been 17 years since he last fought Robbie Lawler. So you already spoke on this. If anyone says they know how this fight's going to go, they're lying to you. There's no way. You have no idea. All you can do is try to break this down based off these guys' fight styles from the past. And if you look at these at their fight styles in the recent past, we already know Robbie Lawler. Robbie Lawler's a brawler. He has a wrestling base, but he doesn't like to use it. He's like a lot of these wrestlers nowadays, like the Tyron Woodleys, for example, that 
came up in wrestling, but they don't like to use the wrestling anymore. They fell in love with their striking because they were knocking people out. And you you know his MO. He's going to stand and trade with you. He's going to throw kicks. Nick Diaz on the other end, he's great Brazilian jiu-jitsu practitioner, but he's also a striker on the feet. The guy's going to pick you apart. He's going to talk trash. He's going to play that mental warfare on the feet with you, just like his brother. He's going to laugh at you. He's going to point at you. He might flick you off. And he's going to frustrate you. But at the end of the day, he's super skilled. He's a better boxer than his brother. He, he does a lot of work to the body, which I love. That's one favorite thing about Nick Diaz is the way he works the body. And um, so you're going to expect that out of him in this fight. You know, 17 years ago, he knocked out Robbie Lawler. You know, now we're 17, 17 years later. Do I see him knocking him out? I don't know. Robbie Lawler seems to be a more durable fighter now, seems to be tougher. But the one thing I will say is Robbie Lawler, just like Tyron Woodley, it seems like their soul was taking it, taken at some point in the, in the past few years. I don't know what happened to him, but that aggressiveness has just left their body. They still have the knockout power. Robbie has the knockout power. But for whatever reason, he's hesitant to throw his punches. He's hesitant to get after it. He just, he seems frozen. It's weird. But again, you know, he still possesses that big knockout power. So Nick Diaz is going to have to, you know, stay away from that. But I I do feel like Nick Diaz with his, with his volume striking and his ungodly cardio is going to be able to, to outlast Lawler here. This is a five round fight. You know, there's, there's very few five round fights that are not either main events or championship fights. The UFC changed that rule within the past year, and you've seen a couple couple fights mainly that um, actually I want to say actually the only two fighters that have been a part of five-round fights that weren't main events or title fights are the Diaz brothers. Nate Diaz fought Leon Edwards. That was a five-round fight. A title was on the line, and it was not a main event. And you have the same thing here with Diaz and Robbie Lawler. So a five-round fight I think benefits Diaz for sure. His cardio is absolutely ridiculous. The guy can last. Um, he's a volume striker, so I feel like he's going to overwhelm Lawler over the course of five rounds. And if it happens to go to the ground, Nick Diaz's Brazilian jiu-jitsu skills are, you know, tops in the welterweight division and definitely better than, than Robbie Lawler. And uh, I can easily see him locking up a submission. But, man, this is such a meaningful fight for Diaz. And I did touch on it a little bit at the beginning. If he wins this fight, he has Masvidal, man. He he has these big names. He has the money that he came back to the sport to to get. And I feel like I feel like he's going to be smart here. I, I know he he can get into brawl sometimes, but the guy I feel like has a, a crazy, crazy, crazy opportunity right here to go two and zero against Lawler, get him out of the way, and then start moving up the ladder and, and making some big money. The UFC, I don't care what anyone says, you know, he, uh, Nick Diaz is hard to work with. Dana will say that, but the UFC is 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 rooting for Diaz here. It's you know, Diaz's number one fan is the UFC because if Diaz wins this fight, it's going to be big, big, big money for not only Nick Diaz, but it's going to be big, big money for the UFC. So, um, long story short, at this at this price, to me, this should have been a pick'em. This should have been. A minus one ten, one ten. You know, maybe Lawler's a little bit of a favorite because he's been more active recently, like a minus one twenty versus like a plus one hundred five or something like that. But to be at minus one sixty and plus one forty, the value's on Nick Diaz here, and I can't help but take Nick Diaz here. So that's the pick, and and I've already played Nick Diaz personally. 
All right. Well, let me go ahead and talk about a, a bunch of things that you mentioned. First with Lawler, I think that you'd agree with me, Gene, that at some point, and it doesn't matter, you know, you can go boxing, you can go UFC. When you fight the style that Lawler fights, you eventually don't want to continue to fight like that, especially as your career gets older and older and you get older and older. Those fights can't be fun, but that's who you've become, you know, in the ring. And guys like that, especially as they get older, it's harder to train. So he's probably more than likely going to gas out. If you know Lawler, he's going to come out. He's going to try to get in a firefight, get you in a phone booth and try to knock your head off early. That's the game plan here for Lawler, I believe. I don't I don't see any other game plan for him. I think one of the things that a lot of people haven't talked about with Nick Diaz that I actually believe it's probably the most important reason why I like Nick Diaz in this fight is maturity. I think he probably had a lot of time to mature, you know, over the last six years, and we've never gotten a chance to actually see it. And if you go in here with the mindset, and I like the mindset of Nick Diaz, he's saying like, look, man, I want to go in here. I want to make money. He's taking a more business approach than he is the spotlight approach, just a totally different approach from, uh, yeah, I'm a UFC fighter. And I'm like, no, he's like, this is my job. I need to go make money, period. And if he has this mature mentality, he understands that he has a job to do. And you already mentioned a couple of things. Like the one thing he can do better than Lawler to get the job done, to get the money that he's seeking out, he can go in there and wrestle. And I don't think Diaz wants to go in there. And we know he has a lot of scar tissue. He can, you know, wear a lot of, you know, punches really bad. And Lawler's a guy, he'll, you know, he'll cut you up. He don't care. So I don't see Diaz coming in here taunting him, dancing around the ring, trying to outstrike him from the outside. I see Diaz trying to figure out a way, how can I get this guy to the ground and how the hell could I get out of here and show everybody that I don't have to be this, you know, young cocky kid who, you know, screwed up and, and, and got suspended. Uh, I just think he has a totally different mindset. Now, I don't necessarily know his game plan, but whose game plan is to let me fight Robbie Lawler the second time, get into a firefight, get knocked out. And if I do want to fight again, we already know where that's going to end up, Gene. There's going to be a trilogy fight again with Lawler where you have the potential to go get your ass kicked again and knocked out again. And maybe that's the the last we see in Nick Diaz and he gets two paychecks. I don't believe that's the route that he's going. I believe he's going to take a more mature approach to this fight and look to install everything that he can do to beat Robbie Lawler in more strategic fashion. Sure, he's going to deck him a couple of times and stuff like that. But I actually like Nick Diaz in this fight to win by submission. You can get that at 10 to 1. So that's kind of where I fall with this fight here, Gene. I understand that the line is what it is. And I believe that it's all because of Diaz being out of the ring for six years. Like had he went in here, uh, let's just say he, you know, he, he was in the UFC for a year and he fought a tin can and this was his second fight. I think you would agree with me, Gene. This is a pick em fight. There's no way it's not a pick em fight. This line has to come down, right? Like fight night, Diaz is taking money, right? Yeah, for sure. Yep. hundred percent. So if you want Diaz, jump on it now. Now what's been crazy I have to go look. This is just off the top of my head memory. I believe that Lawler opened up like a minus 200, I want to say, minus 225, something like that. Um, and then it's slow. It's it's obviously dropped. I mean, I wish I would have caught it at that price. I mean, that's absolutely ridiculous. He was that big of a favorite. But it's obviously come down. But it came down to 
I think it was only like a 130. It, it got down to almost a pick. Like it was like a minus 130 and Diaz was like plus 115 or something like that. And now it's just, it's gone back the other way during the week. But yes, 100% on tomorrow, you know, fight night, it's going to end up going Diaz's, Diaz's way. When, when, when the fans see that Diaz is an underdog, they're going to jump on it, jump on it. That's how it typically works. You know, the novice, the casual fans, however you want to label them. Um, when they see fight, when they see fight lines and see guys that are, you know, fan favorites, big names, and they're at a good price, and definitely when they're plus money, they're, they're going to jump on it. It's the same thing that happened with Conor McGregor, the same exact thing. You know, when they saw that he was a, um, you know, plus money against Poirier the second time around, everyone jumped on him. So, um, yes, money will be coming in on on uh, Nick Diaz tomorrow. I think one of the reasons we're going to see a lot of Diaz money is the fact that. We know the support that they get when they fight in California, Arizona, Las Vegas. So I, I believe that you probably go ahead and you jump on him now. I think one of the reasons why the line actually started to go the other way there, Gene, uh, and let's bring this up and then we can get on to the title fight. But, you know, this was supposed to be at a different weight class, right? Like Diaz basically said, like, look, I'm not going to make the right weight here. I'm not going to go cut all this weight. And then Lawler was like, I don't care. You know, I'm, he probably wants money too. So he was like, screw it. I'm going to fight. I don't know if you want to talk about the weight situation, but I believe that that actually favors one of the fighters in this particular fight. So why don't you talk a little bit about the weight and then we can uh, go ahead and wrap this one up and get on to that title fight. Yeah. So both of these fighters are, are primarily welterweight fighters throughout their career. They both dabbled in, you know, middleweight a couple of times. Nick Diaz, this fight was obviously at 170, and for whatever reason, uh, coming this week, literally like three, four days ago, it was changed to middleweight. Nick Diaz did fight at middleweight before he left the UFC, before his six-year hiatus. His last fight was against Anderson Silva. That was at 185. Obviously, with age, it's 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 harder to cut weight and things of that nature. Once he got serious, you saw some posts on Instagram, on Twitter, that he was in crazy, crazy good shape. The guys, he, he's in triathlons all the time. It's even bring up that he's a triathlete is, is, is being a dead horse. Everyone knows this. The guy, like I spoke on when, in my breakdown, the guy's got crazy cardio. It's because he's a triathlete. So he looked good. I don't know what happened. So does that worry me a little bit? Yes. He looked good before this week or two weeks ago, whatever, during training, ripped everything. And then all of a sudden, fight week, he's saying, he calls the UFC, says, I need to, I need to fight Lawler at middleweight. Lawler agrees. The UFC okays it. And then you see this video that comes out that's on the internet right now with him doing that pre-fight. You know, when, they, when they're announcing fighters, if you're watching the broadcast, you'll see him like say, you know, Nick Diaz versus Lawler is coming up next. And then they, they show him shadow boxing. Well, if you watch the shadow boxing of, of Nick Diaz, it looks terrible. It looks almost like Holyfield looked a couple weeks ago before he fought uh, Vitor Belfort, where you're like you're concerned. But I wouldn't worry about that. The internet went nuts when they saw that. They, they were like, "Oh my gosh, you know this guy's coming back after this long hiatus. He's not ready for this." And if you go back and do the digging, everything's cool. So um, as for moving up to 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 middleweight, yeah, am I a little concerned? Like, why all of a sudden, four days out, three days out? You're wanting to move this up to middleweight. It's kind of weird to me, but listen, both of these, to me, both of these fighters are just evenly matched. It's a pick em fight. Lawler's lost four in a row. Nick Diaz, at the end of his 
you know, run with the UFC before a six year hiatus, he wasn't looking good either. It's it's just a coin toss, you know. So I'm not worried about you know it moving up to middleweight. It doesn't affect them in the sense of how one fighter going to be slower than the other. It doesn't affect any of that for for me at least. And that's what it is for me. I think it favors Nick Diaz, and I think it favors him by a lot. I think that this was probably one of the game plans he had going into this fight was that mentally he didn't have to prepare himself probably for a weight cut. And Robbie Lawler probably thought the whole time that they were going to end up fighting at that particular weight. So he probably started the process of, you know, eating right and all this stuff like that, getting ready to shed all this weight. And I'm sure that he was shedding weight throughout throughout the training camp, you know, doing what he needed to do to make sure that he made weight for the fight. But, you know, if Diaz was like waiting until four days before the fight, like, yo, I need this to happen. Otherwise, um, you know, we could either, you know, move somebody else in there or uh, there's a chance Lawler could back out. But I don't believe Lawler was backing out of the fight. I mean, he'll fight anywhere. He'll, he'll fight at heavyweight if he needs to. He don't care. So I actually think that, that Diaz is actually more than likely probably going to be the beneficiary of, of this move. And I just believe it has a lot to do with him just saying, screw it. And I think that that's one of the reasons why Dana said, I'm not sure if this guy's ready to fight, if he wants to really fight. He wants to fight. Trust me, he wants to fight. But I think that that was maybe a little bit of concern on on Dana's part. But I believe that that was probably the game plan for Diaz was to, you know, have Lawler going in there with one different mindset and one different type of training camp regimen where, Nick Diaz was just like, I'm not going to do all this weight shedding stuff. I'm just going to go in there strong and feeling good. And I could just go and, and do my training and practice on, you know, cardio and wrestling or whatever the case might be. But that's just kind of how I feel about that. But uh, as I said, I like Nick Diaz in this one. I, I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to play him to win this one by submission. I'll take that at 10 to 1. Let's jump over to the final here. Gene, this should be a pretty good one. We got Alexander Volkanovsky against Brian Ortega. I don't think the line's right here, Gene. Volkanovski's minus 180. I think it should probably be a little bit higher. I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to play him to go ahead and win this fight. I think Ortega could probably throw some challenges at him. You know, he can switch up and do things a lot differently. He's not just going to stand there uh, and and fight Southpaw or anything like that. Like, he can switch. So um, that's one of the things that he can do. He can frustrate you. Uh, he's quick on the feet. He can do all kinds of different things. But I think eventually Volkanovski's going to wait him out try to tire him down, beat him up a little bit. And then you're just going to see this big nasty burst from Volkanovski where maybe he gets pissed off or maybe he's just like, here's my chance to go in for the kill. Uh, after he kind of figures out, you know, the puzzle that is Brian Ortega. But, you know, a lot of people are talking about how good Volkanovski is in the grand scheme of things when you're talking about all-time greats. And I've seen him fight a lot and he's good. There's really nothing that would convince me, Gene, that, that Brian Ortega stands much of a chance here. I think a lot of it has to do with a lot of the TV hype that was around these guys. But I'm going to go ahead. I'll play Volkanovski. I'll, I'll lay the minus 180, and I believe there's probably a strong chance for a knockout. That's what I'm going to do with the title fight. What about you, Gene? Yeah, I'm intrigued by this matchup because of the growth of Brian Ortega. You know, He was thrown to the wolves after a highlight real knockout of UFC legend Frankie Edgar, and he really wasn't allowed to sharpen his skills. They, they threw him in there against Max Holloway, and we saw the results viciously beaten and exposed by the former champion. As a result, he took off two years. He had to deal with some injuries, and he sharpened his skills. And in his comeback against Korean Zombie, he put out an absolute clinic. It, it was it was beautiful to watch. And as a result, he was granted a title shot against Volkanovski. 
And what impressed me most about him was his striking. He did a really good job of putting meaningful combinations together, but at the same time being defensively sound. And he, the other aspect of it too that I really liked was he mixed in some opportunistic takedowns. And the, the wrestling really stifled Korean Zombie. Now, listen, Korean Zombie's a stand-up fighter. So, you know, against Korean Zombie, he, he put together the perfect game plan. He's going to have a hard time putting together a good game plan against Volkanovski because Volkanovski, man, this guy, he's like a 5,000-piece puzzle. He's hard to figure out. He's a, he's such a smart fighter. He's cerebral. He puts together incre- – he and his coaches, I should say, put together incredible game plans for their opponents. And there's a reason why he's undefeated in the UFC and the UFC champion. Uh, he does an incredible job of using his fakes and feints to keep his opponents guessing and off balance. What I really like about his game is he uses his kicks really, really well to keep his opponents off balance. And it allows him to to initiate flurries too, like like his last fight against uh, Max Holloway. You know, he'll, he'll chop at the leg where the opponent, you know, so Max is off balance. And then he flurries in with, like, you know, two, three punch combos. And I really like the aspect of his game because he's able to to score points ultimately. And if he hurts you in the, that moment, you know, it's a finish. But that leg kick really sets it up. And he has great takedown defense, physically strong. And in short, the guy's just, he's well-rounded. He's a true champion. I really feel like this guy, now, of course, like Jose Aldo and Max Holloway are featherweight goats. But this guy has potential. He has the skill. He has the mindset to end up being in that echelon. Ortega's good. He's skilled. He's gotten better. But outside of a, a a slick submission, I don't see him being Volkanovski here. And you already spoke on this, and I, I'm right with you, man. The line is way too sh- like way too short. Out of all these lines, this one to me, I, I don't understand. I guess if I have to figure out why, maybe because Brian Ortega is kind of a fan favorite. You know, good looking dude. Um, had a spectacular you know finish in his last fight. Like he gets a lot of publicity. He's in commercials, things of that nature. So, you know, that could be a reason why. But I feel like this is disrespectful to Alexander Volkanovsky at minus 180. It really is. This guy should be up at the 225, 230, 250. He should be up there, not at minus 180. And at this price, I'm all in on Volkanovsky here. I, I just feel like he's the better he's the better fighter, more well-rounded. Ortega has shown in his past three fights that he likes to stand. He's not a Robbie Lawler or Woodley in the sense of, a wrestling base and he fell in love with the striking but hey he's Brazilian jiu-jitsu base and is kind of falling in love with his striking now where he wants to stand and trade and at the end of the day lines off great value I got Volkanovski and I feel like I'm leaning more towards a decision because Brian Ortega is is very tough um that Max Holloway fight you know he was able to take insane amount of damage and last until like I think it was the fourth or fifth round that they, the ref ended up calling it. But um, yeah, I, I got Volkanovski, and um, I do think it will go to the decision. But minus one eighty lines too short. I don't know if you if you think the same thing about this particular division, Gene. But I, I believe it's you know it's one of these two guys is going to be there probably for more than likely quite some time. It's going to take a lot somebody to to move up to knock one of these guys off. I mean, if you go through, I mean. They, they beat up a lot of dead weight, you know, guys that were, you know, on the downside of their career that are falling out of their prime. You know, this is the right fight to make, obviously. I think that this is probably the most intriguing fight, but I think this division gets really stale really quick um, after this one's over. 
that's just you know my gut feeling. Mm-hmm. We're both on Volkanovski. Good uh, for that. I'm glad to hear you on him. Uh, I thought we had a solid breakdown there, Gene. I had fun, man. This was cool. We've been uh, we haven't been able to sit and talk about UFC for quite some time. It's been like shit, man. It's been eight eight weeks, six weeks. So uh, it's good we're back in the box here with the UFC. And uh, as we had mentioned, you know, guys with the NFL around, college football, NBA is going to be kicking off again soon. Uh, me and Gene will go ahead. We'll, we'll we'll give you guys, you know, when when the big pay per view events come on, uh, and in the more you know more intriguing cards, uh, Gene and I will go ahead. We'll get together. And we'll do this because this is always fun to go ahead, talk, and try to go ahead and, uh, you know, make you guys some money. And if you guys want to make more money, you know where to find us on Twitter at SleepyJar underscore pregame at MeanGene0022. And you know where to find us both on the best sports betting information site on the web, pregame.com. With that said, I'd like to wish you guys all the best of luck for the fights on Saturday night. Enjoy the games. <laughs> 